You're listening to the Rise and Align with Food podcast. I'm Rashandi Yates. Eight years ago, I found myself struggling with food and my weight. I was pre-diabetic, 100 pounds overweight, and felt like my life was getting smaller with every passing day. I know firsthand how hard it can be to break free from those struggles. And that's why I'm here to share my story and the simple tools that helped me retrain my brain and release 70 pounds. Let's work together to see what's possible for you so you too can finally break free from binge eating, lose weight, and have peace with your food and your body. Welcome, and thank you for pressing play. Hi, welcome to the Arise and Align with Food podcast. I'm your host, Rashonda Yates, and today I'm going to share the biggest spiritual breakthroughs that helped my helped heal my relationship with food. And these are a little, um, this episode is a little bit of a different episode. And, you know, if you're anything like I was, you know, I spent decades beating my head up against a wall trying to figure out, you know, honestly, trying to figure out what was wrong with me for so long. I just felt very, I felt separate somehow. Maybe you can relate to this. You know, I would look at other people and I would see them seemingly living these happy lives and seeming not to have the struggles that I felt like I was having. I really felt like nobody understood what I was going through and I felt very lonely in my struggle. Yeah, there were there were a lot of things in my life that were going really well. I could see and acknowledge, you know, certain successes that I had in my life, like my career, for example, you know, I I had a really strong career in education for a lot of years. And I knew that I had really great relationships, you know, and I saw a lot of people who didn't seem to have some of the things that I had. But yet I, you know, something in me felt like I was missing something. And I had this struggle with my eating, you know, and that that struggle with my eating felt like it overshadowed so much. I felt like I didn't really have the right to feel successful because of this food issue and the fact that I had, you know, a lot of excess weight for a lot of my adult life, you know, starting in my my late 20s, I would say, up until my mid 30s, I felt like I didn't have it all because I was struggling with food and my weight. It really kept me feeling unsuccessful, even though, yes, I did have, you know, so many things that were truly working. I couldn't fully embrace it because of this issue that was going on in my life. And what I found was that the key to resolving that sense of tension really lied in the spiritual breakthroughs that I'm about to share with you. And so let's dive into these um, these breakthroughs that helped me heal my relationship with food. And one thing I want to mention before we get started is that these are not about religion. You know, they're not about any kind of like particular teaching or dogma or anything like that. These are really about... Um, Well, as you'll discover, as you listen, these really have more to do with my my own connection to my higher self. And I truly believe that we are much more than this physicality. And, you know, you may or may not relate to that. You may or may not resonate with that. Whether you do or not, 
these breakthroughs that I had are absolutely something that you can apply regardless of of what you believe or think or, you know, feel about that. So let's go ahead and dive into these things. So the first thing that I, um, the first breakthrough that I had was the breakthrough of getting out of self. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So getting out of self was realizing how much time I was spending thinking about myself, realizing how much of my thinking was absorbed by myself. And what I mean by that is, you know, even if I was thinking about other people, it was through the lens of, well, what what are they thinking about me? You know, how do they feel about me? Am I doing this right? Am I, you know, making this person mad? Am I disappointing someone? It was all through that lens of me, me, me. And I didn't realize it for a lot of years. And, you know, oddly, even if I was helping other people, even if I was doing things, quote unquote, to help other people, a lot of times it was really driven by me wanting to please other people, me wanting to look good to other people. You know, it was still self-centered in its intention and its motivation. And the thing is that if someone seemed disappointed, well, that would have a big impact on me. It would have a huge impact on my mood, on my sense of self, um, on my security within myself. And so I was always striving to gain approval, validation, acceptance from outside of me. And the way that I first was able to recognize this was through the lens of, I'm going to use the word selfishness. So I was able to really see how so much of my thinking and behavior was really motivated by selfishness. Now, of course, this was a very bitter pill to swallow, right? Like I did not like to think of myself as being selfish. I really preferred to think of myself as selfless. And, you know, over time, I would begin to realize that I could literally change my narrative and really reorganize the way that I thought about myself in um, in relationship with other people. But it really began with this sort of this honesty, this brutal honesty with myself. And really, that's my, I think my mom would have said, call a spade a spade and just see how I was operating in relationship to other people. And other ways that this came about was trying to control how people saw me, you know, really trying to manage my image in the world. This came through in perfectionism. You know, I wanted people to see me a certain way. And that way was in my mind, quote unquote, perfect. So that It seemed like I didn't have any flaws. It seemed like I was, quote unquote, put together. It seemed like I was polished. And I didn't realize that I was trying to be this way. You know, this was a blind spot for me. But what shifted when I got out of this was I, instead of started, instead of thinking about how I could look perfect to other people, was just letting people see the real me. If I flubbed a sentence and felt a little embarrassed, like, that was okay. Like I'm human being able to move on, you know, not having to have my house be perfect if people were going to come over, 
not feeling like I needed to look perfect to show up to events or to hang out with the family, you know? And also looking at how to really be of service by wondering and thinking about what other people needed without consideration of how it was going to, how I look or really being able to be more present to what is this person thinking and feeling? So for example, if I'm in a conversation, being able to show up for that person and help them feel comfortable, help them feel validated, help them feel their best, help them feel secure instead of worrying about myself and my own insecurities. So the this was one of the first big breakthroughs I had because what it allowed was for me to just be out of my head so much and be out of myself and really being in the world for other people more. Now, later, I would have to figure out what is the balance between giving to myself and giving to others and realizing how filling up my own cup first really allowed me to be of service more. But it really started here with just getting out of myself because everything was really self-involved at first. And I didn't see it. You know, even shame. I had a lot of shame at that time. And I remember one of the biggest kind of mind-boggling ahas was realizing how self-involved the experience of shame really was. I mean, it's so interesting. Like now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, because as I mentioned, one of the biggest shifts was to start to let people see me. Well, getting out of shame, one of the easiest ways to get out of shame, one of the most powerful, and maybe perhaps Maybe the only way, and I'm not sure if that's really true. In fact, I'm going to take that back. It's not the only way because I know that some people are able to get out of it. There's another way that comes to mind. But shame, one of the most powerful ways to get out of shame is to shine a light on it by sharing with someone, someone who's trusted, someone who, um, as Brene Brown puts it, has earned the right to hear your story, to be able to, to admit your shame to someone else who will have empathy for that. Someone who will be able to say, oh my God, I've been there. I I know exactly how you feel. When we can have that experience of allowing ourselves to truly be seen, that is one of the most powerful ways to instantly get out of shame. And you start to realize I'm not alone in this. Well, before you have that realization of I'm not alone in this, what it can feel like is I'm, you know, it's a lot of me centered stories. I'm so bad. I'm not worthy, you know, and something's wrong with me. It's like a lot of these very um, self-centric stories. But until you break free from that, it's hard to see that, you know, it's hard to really see it through that lens. And even if you were to see it through that lens, you'd probably beat yourself up even more and have even more shame. So it really is this delicate balance of of like seeing it, but being able to see it for what it is and not judge yourself even more for that. And that's so that's what really allowed me to have my first real shift. And what it caused was for me to get out of my head and really into my body and be present in the world. Before I was able to, before I had this breakthrough, I felt like I was just in this 
this silo. You know, I felt so disconnected from the world around me. I felt isolated from the world around me. And that would play out with, you know, how I showed up with food. I would take, I would get tons of food and I would eat it by myself, for example. And I would use that to sort of drive that isolation. And I felt like I wasn't truly connecting with people that were in my life, you know? And that was only, that realization only um, was amplified once I got out of myself. And that's when I really, you know, when I really started connecting with people and felt what that felt like, it was even more obvious to me just how disconnected I had been. And it wasn't because I was unworthy or a bad person or any of that. It was because I, I, I literally wasn't letting people in. And, you know, all of these stories that was wrapped up in me not really being connected with other people or not being like other people or, you know, all those stories that I had about myself, about me having these specific struggles and nobody really understood. All that was tied up in this big old ball of, you know, just disconnection, but it was all based in lies. It wasn't true. So the next one is I started to cultivate a practice of allowing. Now, what I mean by allowing is allowing myself to feel good, allowing pleasure, joy, peace to just flow into my life uninterrupted was one of the most challenging things that I've ever had to face. And it's ironic that feeling good was one of the most uncomfortable things, but it's something that I've also noticed in, you know, with the students that I work with, you know, I would be able to experience these moments of pleasure and I would be able to, I would chase pleasure in external things, you know, like eating food or maybe drinking a glass of wine or getting approval from like my, you know, my partner and things like that. External validation from even career related approval. So I would allow myself these little hits of pleasure, but I would only allow myself so much before I would bring myself back down. And often the way that I would bring myself back down would be overindulging. So overusing the food, overusing the alcohol, you know, and it would may it would then bring me back into shame. And so this was just the pattern that I would do where it would be like, okay, things are going well. Oh, I can't tolerate that. So let me do something now to bring myself back into the familiar. And so when I started to recognize this pattern playing out, I, I started to be intentional about seeing when that pattern was it was coming back around and allowing myself to stay feeling good and to say, you know what, I, this is uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar, but I'm just going to simply allow it. I'm going to allow this peace to remain. I'm going to savor this peace that I'm feeling. I'm going to savor this, you know, this sense of well-being and just let myself just let things continue to go well. And even though it's uncomfortable, I'm going to be with that discomfort. And I'm just going to let the discomfort wash through me and allow the good feelings to continue to expand instead of, you know, doing something that's going to bring me back into the, I mean, the familiar, comfortable place of feeling bad about myself or being too exhausted or feeling guilt or shame or even even feeling sluggish. Like if I would have gone and just binged on, you know, 
chocolate and ice cream or something. And that would bring me just back into that dull feeling where it was just familiar to me. So allowing myself to feel good. And I know that might sound irrational, but it is one of the most profound shifts because what I realized was that once I started to allow myself to feel good and feel better and better and better, that threshold for how much I could tolerate kept moving further and further out for me which means that I was able to go longer and longer intervals without bringing myself back down. And that pendulum stopped swinging so drastically from one side to the other that all or nothing pattern became less rapid for me. And it really turned out to be a major key to to getting out of self-sabotage to getting out of the constant cycle of being, of doing well and letting things go well, only to go right back into old patterns. Like all of that started to fade because of allowing. So one more that I want to share is this was a practice first and then it was a breakthrough. So I'm going to talk about it through the practice first, which was cultivating a practice of silence. And I can't tell you when, I think it was 2018, the first time I I tried this. Uh, I don't remember what caused me to try it, but it was a two hour vow of silence that I made. (laughs) I decided that I was going to just not speak for a whole two hours. And later on, that became four hours. And I remember one time during this four hour silence, I had an experience where I realized that my thoughts were just going a mile a minute and all just clashing with one another to the point where it just felt like just this low grade hum. It was as if I was able to experience my thoughts from outside of myself. And I I experienced that they were just this constant continuous hum, like a buzz of a million bees buzzing. And it really was this visceral experience of I'm truly not my thoughts. And if I'm not my thoughts, who am I really? And so it goes back to that first statement that I said um, earlier in the episode that, you know, we are so much more than we think we are, you know, down here on this planet in our physical bodies. And when we really start to look at like, okay, well, you know, we start to ask these questions like, okay, well, who am I really? What is my true nature? It starts to open up so much. So the breakthrough was in that recognition that, oh my gosh, like all those thoughts are happening apart from me right now. And I'm really observing them outside of myself. And I think like if you've meditated for any number of years, you may or may not have experienced this yourself. Maybe you've had that because I think that this is, you know, it's just the practice of observing your thoughts until you have that moment where you really truly realize that you're separate from them. You're not your thoughts. And what this allowed you know, just this being aware of the noise that's in my head and being able to see that as noise, see it for what it is, it gave me this beautiful feeling of detachment. It gave me an enhanced ability to to hear a thought 
that might be reactive and be able to just let it go and not react to it, if that makes sense. So this meant that I had so much more agency. I had the ability to experience, you know, discomfort, pain, loss, heightened, heightened experience, experiences of pain without reacting to it in the old ways that I used to react to it without, you know, just automatically spiraling into depression or anger or anxiety or fear. I was much more able to just stay in that even kill space of you know, non-reactivity and and peace and joy, even if I might be having a painful experience, I could stay out of reacting to that painful experience in, in the ways that I used to. I wouldn't have to eat over it. I wouldn't have to, you know, lie in bed for weeks, which is something that I used to do because I, I used to go through a lot of experiences of depression and, you know, now for myself, and this is only my experience, I realized that, you know, a lot of my depression was self-induced by my thinking and being able to be free from from those thoughts, those thoughts that truly I was, it was like I was trapped within them, not realizing that those weren't even me. And so this was one of the most powerful breakthroughs that I had that really allowed me to operate on a different level. And you can imagine how that impacted everything in my life, the way that I treated myself change. And of course, you know, that impacts your habits, right? It impacted the way I ate, it impacted the way I moved my body, it impacted the way that I operate in my career and business and everything else. It allowed me to just show up for myself differently, which then allowed me coming all the way back around to that first bullet point. It allowed me to show up and serve at such a much higher level. And service is one of my highest values. And so it really just comes full circle back to that. And I think that's a very, you know, that's a perfect place to wrap up today's episode. So which one of these spiritual breakthroughs was the most impactful for you? Have you had spiritual breakthroughs along these lines? How did they impact the way that you treat yourself and the way that you eat? I'd love to hear from you. You can DM me on Instagram and just let me know what your thoughts are on are on this. DM me at Rashandi Yates and let me know. And I will catch you on another episode of the Rise and Align with Food podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have gained any value from this episode or from the podcast in general, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It is such a big help. It helps me to reach more people. And if you did gain any insights, I would love to hear your takeaways and how you're implementing these tools over on Instagram, you can follow me at Rashandi Yates and send me a DM and let me know what you are using, what you're taking away from the episode, what your ahas are, things that you're seeing differently. I love having conversations with you over there. And until next time, I'll catch you on an episode on, an, on another episode. Bye.